Hey everybody, welcome back. Just again, we are doing no real sponsorship. Just again, we are providing links in the description below to help out the people of Ukraine. So just send a little love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credit, the podcast, the only podcast that takes a lot of baths. I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And today we are here to discuss a streetcar named Desire. I forgot about a lot of this movie. Yeah, um, this I, I haven't seen this film since high school when they were like, hey, we're going to do this for an English project. Yeah. And I was like, wow, they really showed kids this. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot going on here <laughs> yeah there's quite a bit of stuff uh but anyways so streetcar named desire came out in 1951 originally it was a play written by tennessee williams um it was directed by elia kazan you have marlon brando in here playing stanley kowalski vivian lay who plays blanche who i would i would beg to differ is the actual main character uh, Kim Hunter, who plays Stella Kowalski, and then Carl Malden, who plays Mitch. And that's really the only people that matter in this film. And if you don't know what Streetcar Named Desire is, or if you haven't done it in high school, uh, so this is a film about uh, Blanche Dubois, who was a teacher who moves to New Orleans from, I don't know, what was it, Georgia, I think? Uh, and she moves in with her sister and brother-in-law. And over the course of living with them, Blanche becomes tormented by her brother-in-law. And then also reality starts to crumble around her as you learn about her past. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> you haven't seen this movie in a while. It's been a while, yeah. Um, I think that I think I'm in the same boat as you as I probably saw this film in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can actually see why they showed it to us in high school because you want to talk about themes. Oh my I god! I mean, <laughs> dude, like as I was watching this, I was like, it's almost the same thing as some like at hot where it's like we can't just go straight into the good. We gotta do the themes first. Yeah, because the themes have so much to do with the film. Yeah, they are kind of integral to the entire plot of the film to the point in which. You can't discuss a character or <laughs> things that they say or things that they do without kind of tiptoeing around the themes. Exactly. So I think it's best if we just do that first off so yeah. then we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, big one, main one, toxic masculinity in this film. Yeah. Um, that is downright shown throughout everything with Stanley, um, even down to like the more famous scene where it's like they're carrying like the sausages down from the steps. And it's like, hey, oh, pass me a sausage. Yeah. It's, it's, again, like something like that. But there's also quite a bit of homosexuality in this film. Um, I don't know if you got that. I wouldn't say homosexuality, but this film is just very sexual. Yes. Well, what I, it's not homosexual in the sense of like, you know, you can see it as like how we did with um, the Kelly gang where it's like you can actually see like two people kind of falling in love together but not really shown to too much 
Um, more so, this had kind of like a metaphorical homosexuality to it that I noticed, where a lot of the stuff with Blanche is very like illusion based and like very like she she's hiding the truth yeah. about everything like her age like what's going on with the ranch all that stuff um everything that happened with her husband and i came to find out too that tennessee williams was actually homosexual and wrote a lot of the character of blanche to kind of hide the fact that he was homosexual mm. um along with they don't outright say it but you kind of can piece it together where Blanche's ex-husband that died, Alan, may have been homosexual and she found out. And that's why she said, like, oh, I'm disgusted with yeah. you. I want nothing to do with you. And he ran out and got shot. Well, he killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she has so much guilt about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is just dripping with like sexual lust. Oh my god, it's just all <laughs> lust. Like between even bl- down to the score. Yeah. The score is so swanky <laughs> and like just uh I mean the introduction of Marlon Brando taking mm. off his shirt and and Blanche just looking at yep. him and being like just so and granted she is kind of portrayed as a woman who essentially just sleeps with a lot of men. Mm-hmm. I mean, we you start digging into her past and it turns out that she was a prostitute. Yep. Um and younger men too, like 17-year-olds. Right. Even. Uh like you see that when the mailman comes by and mm-hmm. drops off the mail and he's asking for money. And then uh, fucking Mitch comes right afterwards. Yeah. Um and this so like there's just all this sexual tension throughout the entire film. I mean, one of the main, like one of the real, real main ge- uh, themes that I uh, that I took away was the lust, but then also the dependence on mm-hmm. one another that everybody needs. Yeah, because everybody is so flawed. Oh, absolutely! Like they cannot cope without each other. Right, and it's and it's really interesting because everybody's flawed in their own ways. That yet. Everybody's flawed in their own ways, yet they all somehow are codependent on one another. Mm -hmm. And, like, whatever one person's flaw is, the other person, their flaw is kind of, like, taking that other person's flaw. And a a really good example is Stanley is this macho... Uh, doesn't really th- have many um, philosophical thoughts. Mm-hmm. He's very much, you know, the type of guy that just um, reacts and and uh, does things on emotions. Mm-hmm. And he cries and he's and he ha- and he throws temper tantrums. Um, so he's very childlike in that yeah. in that sense. Like he did not develop past that point um, in his in his in his youth. Uh, but then you have Stella, his wife. Mm-hmm. Who likes that part of him, which is not good either. No, because she is... loves the idea of him kind of being abusive and mm-hmm. him breaking things and smashing things. She actually finds that as like a sexual turn on. Yeah. Um, and then she likes the him being a baby kind of and, mm-hmm. and him like her kind of being like this mother figure to him after he throws these tantrums. I mean, obviously the most famous scene in the whole film is when he's, you know, his, his shirt's all ripped yep. up and he's screaming her name. And then she comes down the stairs and, and then like hugs him. And again, it's like super sexual yep. because there's like all this sexual tension, but she likes 
the idea of being wanted like that. I know. And that's it, a huge flaw. That's exactly. a huge character flaw. Because even, too, like, right afterwards, like, they go and have sex, and then the next morning, Blanche is like, oh, what happened? Like, why did you go back to him? And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, he was just a lamb afterwards. Like, yeah. he was just a big baby. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like, again, like, she's into that. Like, she right. likes how he's mentally flawed, basically. Yeah, and then, of course, you have Blanche, who is kind of the most fucked oh up God. out of everybody dude right from the beginning you can see like she's she's so mentally fucked up just from like the first scene when it's her and stella at the the bowling alley and she's going like back and forth is like oh you even asked me like how i look and like oh i need like a scotch to like calm my nerves everybody's like so rampant here and then immediately switches back to like oh so how are you yeah yeah and it's it's crazy because it's like i've met people like this before <laughs> in my life like i known people and it's just so surreal to see there. It's like the back and forth of going on about like herself and then being like, oh, but how are you? And then immediately cutting back to like, oh, but, but this is for me, though. Yeah. Like, this is how I am right now. Yeah, she is interesting because her she's like a serious compulsive liar. Oh, yes. Um, She's hot. Everything is like a like a mystique. And she's mm-hmm. like always throwing. A, it's like, you know, just mirrors, smoke yeah. and mirrors everywhere. <laughs> she is just so um obsessed with the idea of being perceived as perfect. Mm-hmm. Because interestingly enough, right, they kind of you, you have to imagine that Stella and Blanche are obviously sisters. So they grew up together. But Blanche is this educated more sophisticated type and stella's not Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see that you know the difference the differences between them and how blanche carries herself when she's she seems smart she seems more intelligent the way that she speaks is is very um you know she just comes across like educated right and stella and uh stanley are not no and that was the thing too that like i picked up on a theme that I, i looked into a little bit so this movie also is kind of like a metaphor for post world trend or post war transition of the South, where it's like Blanche is supposed to be like that old style, like the Southern Belle, yeah. the like do what you're told, educated, um, everything that goes along with that. And Stella's like that new wave where it's like with New Orleans, where it's a lot more free, it's a lot more sexual, it's a lot, it's more about being like yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's plain and simple like just literally shown between them yeah um and she's got this this weird thing of being older yeah and getting older and that's obviously a really big theme for her is she hates that she's older than stella and not by much though i think it's like literally like a year year and some change Mm -hmm. um but she's kind of at this point in her life where she believes that she's in her prime and that it's pretty much all downhill from here Mm -hmm. and i think that has a lot to do with why she lusts after these men so much is because she needs to fulfill something about herself that to prove that she still can or that men still do find her attractive Mm -hmm. especially younger men yeah because it's like oh like younger men could have like younger women right but they want me yeah exactly yeah and then mitch who mm. is a surprising character who I, I didn't really remember much uh, in high school. Like, w- like coming back to this film, mm-hmm. you just don't think about Mitch. No, because I mean, <laughs> you, I remembered like that there was a character for Blanche. Yeah. And I just didn't remember that like Mitch is kind of brought in because again, like you have like this whole thing of Blanche kind of lusting after Stanley. Yeah. Um, even though she doesn't outright come and say it. 
But then you have Mitch, who is basically the opposite of Stanley. Yeah. Like, he's very kind. He's, like, a bulkier set. Um, he looks a little bit older, like, not as put together, really. And that's the complete opposite of Stanley, who is, like, this brash, like, younger, like, fit man. And she kind of wants that in the beginning. Like, she kind of is like, okay, like, this is a stable relationship with Mitch. And then you start Because to that's see... so different from her. Exactly. She's always dealt with the other. Yes. She's never had, like, the more soft soft-spoken kind of guy who actually like listens to her and like Mm -hmm. wants to talk to her and like uh find out about her life yeah um but anyway continue yeah but i mean again too like it it then kind of raises the red flag where it's like you know she actually is like you said all smoke and mirrors so it's like she doesn't want that yeah um and you can see that from when they go dancing where it's like she just seems so uninterested in him yeah because he's boring to her right at this point yeah it's really sad Mm -hmm. um because Mitch is a good guy. Mitch is a decent guy. He's again. He also has like some flaw. Mm-hmm. Some flawed. He's not nearly as flawed as everybody else. At least no. Not. But he definitely shouldn't be hanging around everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of got this whole um, idea of his mother really want. He's kind of like a mama's boy, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he he wants Blanche because she. He believes that she is, like, the exact woman that he needs in his life, Mm -hmm. and that he wants to take her home to his mom and show her, because he's like, you know, my mom, I guess, is pretty sick right now, and she wants to make sure that I'm, you know, going to be with a woman, um, and she wants to see me basically, like, get married and go off and have a life before she dies, Mm -hmm. Um, and... So they're they're kind of in a weird way where he's kind of almost feeling like he can fix Blanche. Yeah. And then Blanche feels like she can fix herself with him <laughs> mm-hmm. because he is so different. Meanwhile, they in reality, they both know that it's never going to work no. because Blanche is so you you never want to be the person that is trying to fix somebody. Mm-hmm. That person needs to fix themselves. Yeah. Um, obviously you can aid in that and like you can help and, and, and but you got to fix yourself before right. you go into a relationship. Right. Really. And Blanche is like, no, no, no. Like I'm going to, you know, the way I'm going to fix myself is by dating Mitch. Mm-hmm. And again, she has this kind of this dark shadow over her shoulder the whole time of just, this is not what I really, really want. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking to watch her really fully spiral out of control especially with stanley yeah i mean that was the thing too where it's like in the beginning of the film i was like wow she's so over the top opposed to everybody else and it kind of was it was one of the things that like i started to not like about it but like somewhere along the way i don't know where i think it was like maybe halfway through like after the whole like stella scene was you start to see this almost like blink of the eye transition from her being like so worked up and worried about everything to start to kind of go insane a little bit. Oh yeah. And I really liked that. I was like, wow, like this is really well, well done because I don't like from beginning to end, I don't know where in between I started to see where it's like, Oh, she's starting to go insane. And like, yeah. it's starting. Well, to because the, the, the insanity part is, the only true part of her. Yes. Because when she comes in, the whole thing is a facade. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it's really interesting to watch the, you know, you start the cracks start showing and all of a sudden by the end of the movie, she's getting taken away. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it, it was really cool too because it's like a lot of the like first half of the film, 
you're only really seeing her with like a a quick like drop shadow over her like you see like this kind of like lighting of her yeah. effect where you don't see like her full face and obviously us like watching the film we can tell like oh she the actress herself vivian is like younger yeah yeah but they're trying to portray it where it's like she's older and she doesn't want to be seen all that much and that again like plays into the fact of like the facade and like trying to hold back like what's actually there yeah and i was like that's really cool especially too since we did like the black and white uh episode a couple of episodes back and talked about lighting and this is exactly like how yeah. it is i mean getting onto like the subject of how this film looks it's great. Oh, absolutely. I, I love the production. Like the design mm-hmm. is so good. The flat like the the flashing neon lights yes. somewhere in the background. It's so it really they're, reminds they're you. They're placed like, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like you like when things are getting dramatic, those lights are flashing and it's just like wow, like the tension is building and the scene around them is the the scene around them is interacting with the emotions. Yes. And I love too that like it does feel like it's, it's aside from like a couple of scenes, like a couple of settings. This feels like the play. Oh like yeah, it, I mean, once feels... they when they leave mm-hmm. when they leave the apartment, it feels weird. Yes, it, because... it feels out of place. Like when Stanley and Mitch are at the factory, mm-hmm. it's like ah, like something just doesn't like, feel. Did, where did the school get this much production? It, 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 to it make just this? doesn't feel the same as when they're in the confines of this dirty, sweaty, broken apartment. Exactly, much like when we did the humans, like it. When it's centered in like the house, yeah, it's perfect. It feels like a play. It feels like what it was going for. Yeah, um, it's it's really a beautifully shot film. Mm-hmm. Um, the music again is so perfect because it's not kind of like what you commented on with um, uh, the James Dean film. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, Rebel Without a Cause, where, like, the music was fine in Rebel Without a Cause because it was that, like, orchestral... It just mm-hmm. kind of, like, was typical of that time. Um, I think that today we're kind of in a point where a lot of movies don't even have music anymore. It just more seems like they're just noises and, like, ambient sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this film has a proper score Yes, that is fitting for the emotions and the characters and what they're going through. And again, the it's the score is just like sexy. Exactly. And, and it's really just nice to hear a, a score of, of, done for a film that was just put, like there was a lot of, you know, thought put into it. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only time where I felt like the score didn't match with it, and I don't know about you, but when Mitch came back after, like, the birthday party with Blanche and, like, she started going on, like, this full rant, which was a really great scene because it was literally her, like, you know, saying her piece and saying, like, like yeah. actually telling Mitch, like, everything that's going on. And then she was like, I'm going to scream if you don't leave. Mm-hmm. And then the music turned into, like, this old school it kind does, of, like, yeah. adventure yeah. theme to it. <laughs> and I was like... That's weird. But, like but it's that, a really good scene. It is. <laughs> but, but that music like really didn't fit with it. But yeah. everything else fits so perfectly. Yeah. And I was like, I was kind of confused by that. The um the idea though of again filming this movie in black and white, I think, does a lot as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um again, they didn't need to film this in black and no. white. I got worried too, because like I don't know where you watch this. I watched it on HBO Max. Yeah, me too. And like the like when you go to like click on it it shows it in color and yeah. i was like oh god please the same no. thing with like a rebel without a cause it, mm-hmm. it was kind of weird right like yeah the, um i don't know like the i mean rebel without a cause was filmed in color um but 
yeah, for whatever reason, a lot of films, like even um, not not Road Without a Cause. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say that. Even um, I can't think of anything today. <laughs> it's early. We're, yeah, we're we're doing this a yeah. little bit earlier than usual. My brain isn't going. Um, the the film that we just did, the comedy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Some like it hot. Yeah. Some like it hot. The the poster is in color mm-hmm. when you when you click on it, but then the film's in black and white. Exactly. Uh, it's weird. It's kind of weird. But anyway, I think that uh, doing black and gray or black and white in this film really did a lot, especially mm-hmm. like. To the point where, um, when we got towards like the the real climax of the film, where Stanley and Blanche finally come to a head mm-hmm. and they get into like their their physical altercation with yeah. one another, which I, I mean, the black and white makes it feel like a horror movie. It does, and even the score to it too. Like it's starting to like kind of ramp up, and you get like the trumpet sounds yeah. to it. And like you said, like it feels like it's going in a horror direction because Stanley is just like slowly creeping and you can feel the tension building and you can feel like something's going to happen. Like he's going to do something. Yeah. And then, of course, you get like that really great shot, too, of like the mirror. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Him grabbing her and like breaking the mirror. And you get like that very like chaotic jazz sound where it's like. It doesn't have to show you what happened, but you understand what happens. Yeah. And I didn't remember in high school, but like it's very insinuated that like he raped her. Um, I don't know if you got that. I don't I, know. I, I got that he raped her because uh, later on too, like after that, He's like I never put a, I never yeah. put a lay, laid a finger on her. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I I guess watching it this time around, I didn't think that it raped. I just thought that they got into a. It just finally came up, and, and everything just finally came to a head, and they just, whatever, they got into a physical altercation. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I got that, and then the only reason why, too, like, it kind of, like, justifies it for the story, because obviously rape is not cool, but it justifies it for the story, because it's like, this whole time Blanche has kind of been lusting over Stanley, and now he kind of knows that, and kind of got, like, this upper hand, and, like did this to her and is like oh like you get what you get like you got what you deserved kind of thing yeah um but i mean it also adds to the fact that like you you don't love stanley throughout the entire film you kind of get him as a character and you kind of like certain aspects to him but like between this scene and then also like him hitting stella you understand like how bad of a person he is yeah and it kind of makes you think too of like was this how it was with Stella and him before Blanche showed up or were they actually like really good and then Blanche showed up and now it's like, oh, everything's kind of starting no, to No, I don't think so because I think she, cause she's explained previous mm-hmm. stuff about their relationship and how he, and how he acts. Yeah. I think that, that, St- uh, that Stanley <laughs> Stanley's is not just, a good person. No, he's not. He, he's, and I don't want to say that he's stupid, Mm-mm. but he's, uh, He's he's a he's a no bullshitter type. Yeah. Um. And again, he's very very reliant on his emotions, and he and he just reacts. Uh. He doesn't really think before he speaks or before he does any anything. He just basically, you know, impulsive. He's very impulsive. Yeah. And first thing that comes to his mind is what he does. Um. Kind of weird, in my opinion, that Brando was pretty much the only person who didn't win an Oscar in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else did. Everybody else well, got like best, uh, you know, you know, leading actress mm-hmm. and supporting supporting actor and actress, and then Brando didn't. And I get that he he wasn't a huge star Mm-mm. during this. I think this was only like a second feature film. Yeah. Um, but I really thought that Brando fucking performed in this film. Oh, absolutely! Like it's it was always reminiscent for me where it's like when I found out that Marlon Brando played Stanley. 
and it was like you know the transition of like him and this to like him and the godfather and it's like you can see like where he progressed so well um despite the fact of obviously you know in godfather he needed like cue cards and everything like that but he just refused to learn his lines but he acts <laughs> he knows what he's doing yeah and in this film like you can really see that like he is playing the character to a T. Like, he understands, like, who Stanley is supposed to be. And I would imagine that he probably took that with him. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to be this for a while. I'm yeah. just going to, like, I'm going to roll in this because I know that I'm fucking hot. I know I'm fucking bastard. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it up. Well, I mean, he ended up getting his first... Uh, I think this was the first nomination out of like four that he got. And, he, and I believe he got the... He ended up getting... Uh, he ended up winning for... Um, I don't remember what film it was, but I think it was his the next film. I think it was like a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I mean, obviously Blanche. Absolutely. Yeah. Vivian Leigh yeah. like was perfect in this film. Right. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm like, and again, I don't I don't love the Oscars. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't sit down and I and I don't take the Oscars all that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that back in the fifties, I do think that the Oscars had a little bit more. Um, substance to them yeah. and a little bit more uh care uh, that uh, that just went into it and this film i mean and and this i don't know man it just kind of disappointed me finding out that he didn't actually win because this is for me man this is like a career best performance oh yeah absolutely um listen the uh, the dr monroe <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um yeah, this was like a career best for me i mean and he's just so good in everything mm-hmm. the facial expressions the way that he walks the he's got that you know the the, the, the just like the famous way that he speaks mm-hmm. just the, um, the way that he eats too like he's literally picking up the plate and just eating everything with his hands yeah he's just got such a masculine bravado about mm-hmm. him and he's just even, so good even when like he's wearing the suit in the one scene it's like you can still see like he's just this macho man like this is not what he's comfortable in and yeah. he starts like taking it off and getting comfortable into like you know the the t-shirt yeah and I told you too, like I, I guess like they didn't make like fitted T-shirts at this time, yeah, so they yeah. actually had to like pin his shirt to make it fit him properly. Yeah, it was just man, it, it, it's a it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you didn't like about the movie? Honestly, um, just the that one weird scene with like the music. Yeah. Um, I think the movie's a little long. It's a it's paced a little weird. Yeah, that's like, like really my only my only issue was like there's a kind of a lull towards the center towards like the middle. I oh yeah, like <laughs> everything after like when he's yelling like Stella. Yeah. Um, and then right before like it builds up to the point where it's like Stella has to go to the hospital because she's gonna have the baby. Yeah. Like everything in between that could have been shrunk down a bit. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of exposition in this film oh, yeah. because I mean I, I get it, you know, it, it it's uh it's a play originally, so mm-hmm. you gotta it, it, so it feels it. like a play and they filmed it sort of kind of like a play instead of because that's the weird thing, right? Like, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, when we leave the apartment, that's why it feels so weird is mm-hmm. because that all of a sudden now doesn't feel like a play anymore. Yeah, it feels more like a movie. Um, so I, I think that there was a kind of like a, a not great balancing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, this movie's a little bit over two hours long, mm-hmm. and it's so much dialogue, yeah. and it's so much character development. And I like a lot of that, mm-hmm. but... I do think that we could have benefited from shrink, you know, cutting back a little bit because watching it probably on a stage is much different than watching a film. Right. Mm -hmm. And like having the dialogue and the exposition is all fine and dandy when you're watching it on, on stage, because 
you need that. Right. Order, you right. Like, you you need to have your characters explaining stuff and doing things because you just can't obviously visually show stuff the same way that you can in a film. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in a film, you have the opportunity to show things instead of say things. Yeah. Um. And I think that this movie could have benefited a little bit from either cutting some stuff out entirely or just visually showing us stuff versus mm-hmm. just having two characters. You know, one person sitting down and one person walking and talking yeah. and, and looking up into the sky and stuff yes, like that. Because that really did feel like a play. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, I get it. Like, this this film really could have been just as good being an hour and 45 minutes rather than two hours and six. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think it's a great movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm, glad that we, I'm glad that we watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that it was the final film in the uh, classics month. Nine paper mache lanterns out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was feeling about a nine out of ten for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was good. Uh, yeah. What we out of the four films that we've done, what would you rank like one, two, three, and four? Oh God! I mean, I feel like Streetcar Named Desire goes first, then Some Like It Hot, uh, Rope, and then I forgot what we did for the other one. What was the other one? Uh, oh, Rebel Without a Cause. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rebel Without a Cause definitely, definitely was the last, tier. right? For yeah. sure. I, I actually bottom tier. I agree uh, with the, with the two. I I do think that a streetcar named Desire just ekes out some like a yes. hot a little bit just because of the themes, man. Yeah, the it's, themes are. Oh my god. Yeah, and although the themes are great in some like a hot too, mm-hmm. and they're very different themes. Um, I don't know. It's hard to. It's unfortunately, it's kind of hard to put a comedy above a drama. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, like you just there's just something about it that's just like ah, I don't know yeah, if I can it, I don't know if I can do it. It speaks more to your soul. Yeah, unfortunately. it does. It really does. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I agree with I agree with that uh that that list. I think that um that this film probably topped topped off all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Cool, Zach, Frank. What are we uh What are we doing next? All right, so we're finishing off Classics Month mm-hmm. um with a topic of my choosing. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, <laughs> and I think this is actually a pretty good topic mm-hmm. if I do say so myself. Um, and basically, I wanted to talk about films that we now consider modern day classics. Mm. So this isn't what the world considers or, you know, all of Hollywood considers. This is films that we believe deserve the title of a modern classic. So films that were, you know, I, I, I think for the most part, I'm going to stay within 2000 to current mm. day. I don't think I'm going to dip too much into like the 90s or anything like that. I yeah. want to stay pretty much like 2000s going forward. Um, so look forward to that. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. <laughs>